Hello ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to the GameDev.TV Community Podcast. I'm your host KB, and this podcast brings you the audio experience of GameDev.TV. Now, let's get right into the podcast. You guys been doing this for? Since April 2019. All right, so almost a year, guys. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. That's right. It's coming up, isn't it? Yeah, one year. This is all Kevin. Don't don't say you guys. This is he's been <laughs> just the entire time. Okay. He's been. Yeah, well, congratulations. The first it started was just like us talking and like about different game development topics, and then I just started interviewing people. And now, yeah, yeah. this one's gonna be interesting because it's like we're interviewing you slash like just having a conversation like level design and like game development and all that stuff. Yeah, man, that's all it is. Just having a good chat with just people who like games. At the end of the day, exactly. Yeah, I think a lot of the, you know, the the main objective for the for the podcast really all along has just been, you know, when we were so so this all came out of uh, Game Dev TV reached out to the community and said, hey, we're going to start doing a you know a remaster of the Unreal course, and if there's anybody that wants to get involved in reviewing that, you know, so that we can improve our content, uh, you know, let us know, and and a group of like twenty or so of us got together, and. You know, the core team of like five of us, me and Kevin and Bryant and, and a couple other guys kind of you know, there's yeah, Ricardo, exactly. Went like, you know, there's a there's a there's a lot of feedback from the community, people like struggling with keeping working on their projects and when they get to roadblocks, how to get past them and stuff like that. So, you know, we got we got feedback from the community basically saying, you know, from a lot of people saying, you know, how do you get past these roadblocks? And we felt like it would be a really good idea to to put together just, you know, conversations among people that are having those same struggles to share with people to say, Yeah, this is this is challenging work that we're doing and you know Mm. keep your head at it because you know it, it's worth it in the long run yeah man i agree i think that's the other thing is, is people don't necessarily realize that from the beginning like fuck you know the amount of times i hear people say oh so you just play games all day all right <laughs> like no it's, no it's, it's, it's a, a job <laughs> yeah it's a lot of work it's way more than just playing games people do not realize that sometimes oh yeah it's not even it's not even close to that. It's like it's, especially depending on what you're doing. There's so much work and thinking and process and just, oh, yeah. yeah. So since I didn't even know a lot about but like since we don't all know much about you, you let everybody know like game to the TV, know who you are, what's your name, and then we'll go from there. Sure, man. Uh, so my name for those who don't know is Max Pears. I'm a professional level designer. I've been working in the industry for about six and a half years now. I've worked on a range of different titles from mobile, augmented reality, and to now currently AAA. And I've like I said, started about six and a half years ago. I've worked at such companies like Ubisoft and many other great places and been fortunate enough to work on some crazy cool titles that people are excited about and have been released as well. And through that as well, I got decided, I decided to create a podcast called The Level Design Lobby in which I break down everything about level design that I've learned through my time so I can share with you know aspiring level designers as well. Also, I write articles. You can find them online, either at nextleveldesign.org or on Gamma Sutra. And yeah, that's really uh, about me. My favorite food is ice cream, and my guilty pleasure is listening to share Do You Believe? Do you believe? <laughs> no, that's great. I, pre- I love ice cream too. Yeah, man. Like, so cream, midnight. Ooh. 
man. Like, if it, <laughs> I'm trying to make sure I don't release my inner fat boy. Like, cut down that ice cream. Has ice cream ever inspired you to in level design? <laughs> I'd say it's hard, hell to get through some tough choices, but I don't think it's inspired me. It's helped me through some tough times. <laughs> That's funny. But yeah, so more about the podcast. What made you want to start that one, the Love Design Lobby? Mm, uh, that's a good question, mate. I think the reason being was during the time when I was coming up through education, because I got through, so how I got into the industry quickly was uh, is something that I always loved and you know, wanted to get into game development. I then went, took courses uh, at a university called Teesside University in England, studied that, and then started getting into the industry. And what I realized when I was going through all of that, that there wasn't much stuff explaining about like what is level design. And as the online community started to grow and grow, a lot of people were getting confused between environment art and level design and having misconceptions about what each does. And you'd go to these conferences and they were a lot more focused on either animation, art, all of that side, but not really necessarily on design. So to me, I was thinking, well, if I was back at university, I would love to hear someone in the industry discuss and break it down even more. So that's what inspired me is to hopefully give back to, to you know these people that are coming up and so hopefully they don't make the same mistakes that I did. And you know, the next generation, I'm sure, will be even better than where I was at the time that I was in education. That's amazing. I, I think I think that's really good and more people should be doing that because when you go to like game design school and all this and doing all this stuff, it's like, yeah, you're learning your core stuff, but you also want to really like dig into like why the game, why that level worked out, why all this and it's easier when you have a podcast to listen to while you're going to school, or while you're going anywhere else to work. To be like, let me just listen to it, let me get insight into it. I think it's oh, tough yeah. just and to learn everything at once. For sure. And I think the other thing is sometimes these schools aren't necessarily well equipped to prepare you. You know, like game design and development schools have only been around probably say just under 10 years or around about that mark, I think. So, you know, it's still growing in terms of understanding and getting good tutors and helping students prepare. And I think especially when you're in higher education, you need to make sure that your portfolio is up to scratch. And so another thing that I do with Level Design Lobby is that I put on these challenges where you know I will give you a, a level to break down and create from a, a game so that you can have something more for your portfolio as well. So you don't just have the same portfolio that you have with all of your classmates as well. So yeah, I think if I can just help someone, then that's, you know, job, you know, job done for me on the podcast. Mm-hmm. That's definitely a really good point because there is something about, you know, designing the layout of the level and making the, you know, the puzzles and challenges in there from, from your past experience, you said that you started in, in uni, um, you know, going through some game design stuff. If, if, if you were an artist and you wanted to learn about those kinds of things, you know, other than your blog, where would you go to learn about kind of the psychology of gaming? Oh, man. So, like, luckily, there's been amazing people that have done some fantastic podcasts out there. I mean, at the time when I was doing it, there wasn't much. There was some books out there. But, like, podcasting, you know, again, like, has only recently exploded onto the scene. There were podcasts before, but it's only now that people make it part of their day-to-day life. But if anyone's listening now, 
the few that I'd recommend uh, in terms of where to go is go to the website nextleveldesign.org. That is run by Jeff. He's a phenomenal dude. He gets in contact with loads of other like level designers and aspiring level designers where they get to write about their course, uh, get to write about their topics, articles that are online for people to check out. Another one is uh, done by Jamie called, uh, what's this one? Is Psychology of Video Games, which is a really nice one because that's talking about the psychology in terms of not just how things are made, but how it impacts the world around us as well. So there's a lot of cool information from there. Uh, other great podcasts. Uh, there's you know so many to choose from. Let me just bring this up because I don't want to forget someone and get in trouble when someone's like, why didn't you call me out? Uh, <laughs> that's how I'll go. Uh, Dev, Dev Game Club is a fantastic one as well. That's run by two you know des- uh, programmer and designer that have been in the industry for so long. They do some phenomenal stuff there. Uh, that one's good. Uh, for any audio designers, there's one called Cujo Sound, which is on YouTube, which is run by a friend of mine named called Bjorn. He's been an you know, ex- experienced sound designer working on the likes of Hitman and other titles. So those are some of the ones that I strongly recommend for people to, to check out. There's some nice. great stuff out there overall. Yeah, back when I was doing level design, they didn't even have schools for gaming. Oh, really? Wow, jeez. <laughs> so how did you get like, into it then, mate? How did you well, get I mean, I, you know, I've been doing PC gaming since like the IBM PC days. So, yeah. you know, I was I was a Doom level designer and then got into Quake and eventually, you know, worked for Valve on Half-Life, which everybody who listens to this podcast already knows. So I hate <laughs> repeating it. <laughs> hey, well, consider me interested, man. Like, why am I on this? You should be. <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I'm just a, I'm just a, I do corporate work these days. I don't get to do the fun game design stuff anymore. <laughs> Well, it's amazing so what, to hear about how the world has changed, really. Well, I was just saying, man, because like, now you've got me asking questions. This is, this is switching all over now. Like, <laughs> from what was, I was going to say, like, things have changed so much then. Like, what was it that made you decide to, you know, like, switch out to do the more corporate side then? If you don't mind me oh, asking. My kids. <laughs> oh, I needed was... more money. <laughs> oh, man, like, that's so sorry. I almost swore then, but no, like, 100%. <laughs> yeah yeah that's the other part of the industry no one talks about unfortunately (laughs) yeah (laughs) no man i get that that's really cool like how did you get into levels like how did that all come about for you because like i said there wasn't schools then you know online wasn't as as big in the sense of you know people tweeting out levels like how did it happen for you mate well okay so yeah no so you know the social media platforms that exist today didn't exist in the same form but they were still there everybody back then just used irc was what it was and even to this day irc still exists as a huge community but you know you find an irc server and you found the quake channel you know you talked with other people there that were that were you know game designers and and you know we're, we're doing the same kinds of things that you were and you know there was there were tools that were you know available that you know people would be yeah. like hear about wadhead for doom right you know go try that <laughs> out. You know, buy a you know send a check in the mail to the guy who would mail you a floppy with the software <laughs> on it but i mean it was still the same thing it was community you were yeah. talking other people and you know getting that kind of communal input and, and collaboration it's just you know it's more primitive than it is these days you know no fancy podcasts yeah well 
<laughs> you got me thinking it was going to be like Harry Potter with are you sending, you know, owls through there. Got me excited for it. No, oh, man, that's so cool, though. Fuck. Sorry, I didn't mean to swear that you can edit that bit out. But... <laughs> <laughs> no, don't worry. <laughs> man, that's awesome. No, that's really awesome, though, that there's, you know, that those kinds of resources are available these days for so many people. Mm. Because, yeah, I mean, back then it was just kind of like we were just, you know, figuring things out. <laughs> yeah, man. It's nice that, you know, there, there are some of us who have gotten to that level that can share that knowledge like you with other people. No, I think like you're saying, it's all about giving back at the end of the day, and it's all we all love games, and that's just the the heart of everything. It's all for the love of what you know this industry. Just getting to talk about it, for sure. It's my favorite topic. It's why I made a podcast. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. And actually, I'm interested too. How did you um hear about GameDev.TV and become an affiliate? Yeah. So. Uh, Ages ago, I'd say ages ago, like uh, probably about over a year ago, Lucy got in contact. Yeah, <laughs> man, like the, the world's changed so much. It really has, though. In like three months, you know. Uh, but yeah, so Lucy got in contact with me and then she saying that she, she'd heard about the, 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 the podcast and I got in contact with Sam and Rick. And we got talking, and then they came on the show, mm-hmm, and we just, just yeah discussing with one another about games. And then after that, you know, I really enjoyed working with them. A little bit after, I, I said, "Look, if there's any you know chance for us to work together again, just let me know. I'd love to do so." They mentioned you know they have the affiliate program, which was awesome for me. And like I said, I think it's it's a great crossover for both what we do. You know, I've got people who come here want to learn as much as possible. They provide phenomenal courses. So it just seemed like a match made in heaven in terms of that. So uh, luckily enough, people bought their courses. Like I said, I've personally bought the courses as well. And, you know, people are able to to just learn more and more from, from one another. So and, and Game Dev does a great discount which we had like back in february so mm-hmm. i say back in february it was less than a month ago <laughs> you know like they, they did that and you know more and more people could take part so it was, it was brilliant yeah that's, a, that's beautiful now i think it's amazing that everybody should check out your podcast level design lobby because it really helps because we do this podcast as like a broad you know all different mm-hmm. parts of game development but for you it you just do level design, right? It's just all about level design, different games, and all the stuff. Is that true, or is that there's more to it? No, no, no. Like I, I focus primarily on level design. I'll discuss other things on, on game uh, game design as well, but it's mainly from the design aspect exactly. of video so, games. Yeah. So anybody doing that, check it out. You can learn so much from it. And actually, I'm also interested. Is What's the main difference between, like, let's say, being a game designer and being a level designer? Because I know sometimes those can get blended into each other, mm. depending on how big the team is. Yeah, that's it, mate. It depends on the scope of the, the projects and the team. But the best way to break it down from, from, my, from my experience is that the level design will get hands-on in terms of shaping the, the space that the player will interact with, while game design will be shaping up the actual systems that the player will use. So they'll be, you know, shaping up how, uh, you know, a weapon fires. If it's something like GTA, it could be the whole police system. Mm-hmm. But they won't actually touch the area that the player will mm. explore in. So that's the big gotcha. difference between them. Okay. And then what would your tips be for somebody starting out level design? 
what we've yeah. learned throughout this whole podcast. And like, how long do we want to go through this? <laughs> we'll go as long as you want. Let's go like the top like three or two. Yeah. Uh, no, man. There's there's been so much, and you know, we just mentioned then we were just talking about like how it's changed so much, and I'm sure you know it'll change. It, it is changing, you know, with stuff like VR as well. But the the biggest tips that I can provide for it is, well, especially when you're creating something for your portfolio. I would recommend creating a small level based in a game that you like. A lot of the times I see young designers and I get why they want to express themselves and show all the cool stuff that they can do. And they end up trying to make a level for a game that they've conceived, which is fine. But in a reviewing sort of session, when you're looking for a job, you now have to explain what the game is before they can look at the level. So if you take a game that you're like a fan of, we just say like Half-Life, take something that you enjoy from that and then make a small section for that. That will really help your portfolio. I think it'll also help you as a level designer because then you have to sit down and deconstruct a level from a game that you like, you know, play that for a little bit, break it down. What is it that makes good level in it? What is it that, you know, helps to make a memorable section of that level? And then you can try replicate it and build upon that in your own uh, way there. And also, I think what's been happening now, which has been super fa- fascinating and super fantastic, is thanks to hashtag Blocktober by Michael Barclay, is the fact that more people you know, are now sharing their block out. Because a lot of time people, like I said, there was a misconception between art and level design where they would only wait till like the level looked so beautiful, so pretty, like a painting that they wouldn't show the actual level itself. And when people are looking for portfolios and level designers, it's not about how pretty it is. It's about how does the player move through it? Mm-hmm. How how did you think, what was your thought process when creating this level? So thereby, you, know, you having just your block out, that's just as good as putting something which is beautiful as well. So yeah, don't be afraid to show just the block out. That's great. And then finally... What I'd recommend is there's great tools on either Unreal or Unity. Like on Unity, I use this uh, free plugin of assets called Blockout, which is like a Lego kit for level design. So that way you can just snap pieces together and that really helps just to make something quick, fast, and also understandable and readable. So I recommend getting that rather than trying to sculpt everything just because it helps you get a get a start because sometimes there's nothing more scary or off-putting on your work than looking at a blank screen so that can really help mm-hmm. wow those are incredible tips I'm gonna start yeah that's too. <laughs> yeah that's kind of interesting because that was actually kind of the way that you know we did a lot of this stuff earlier as well is, yeah. is that dis- the, the difference between the you know the artist and the designer right blocking out the you know kind of deciding the the storyline or you know what challenges you want to put in there that game design aspect of it i find that really fascinating that you that you said what you said earlier um, was kind of similar to some advice that I got, uh, you know, during the recession in 2008 from <laughs> from the unemployment office. The guy said, what you got to do is you got to specialize. And that's exactly what I think you were trying to say there about your portfolio yeah. is, you know, focus on the thing that you really want to do and, and mm. specialize into that. Yeah. 
Yeah, man, no, like that. That's it. I I agree. It's, it's uh, you know, with the industry in terms of the, the size of the game is getting bigger, and the amount of people it now takes to make a game right. really does does help. I mean, for those who are doing indie and smaller projects, that's cool to wear so many different hats. I think that's always great to have a second, you know, a second skill in your back pocket. But if you can just show off that you've got a great understanding of something, primarily, it'll help you in the the triple triple a space for sure mm-hmm. and actually i'm interested to know how you feel about those uh youtube videos where they do like level design but they always look really pretty but i feel like if you play around in it it's just not you know yeah. good yeah. for game design yeah this is uh like i think this is actually like a conversation i had with someone online that kind of triggered the podcast actually i was looking at someone who'd posted up on this facebook group this guy had made this really nice city city space, uh, and he's like, "Oh, here's my level design." I said, "Oh, awesome! So, what's the plan here? Where, where am I going? What's my objective?" And the guy goes, "Man, it's just level like, design." What? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Like, what do you and, What do you mean, bro? Yeah, and I said it again. I was like, "Yeah, but and that's that's when it clicked, and I was like, "Oh, uh. okay. so, some confusion here." And yeah, we've got so, a level artist here, not yes. necessarily a level designer. <laughs> I just I just loved his reaction of chill, dude. It's just a design. Like I'd crossed the line for asking the questions. That was <laughs> my favorite reaction of all time. But no, no, when I see those YouTube videos, I think it's well, look, it's fantastic to see people make some amazing work, especially when you see people do speed they call it speed, and I'm putting my air quotes here, speed level design where they quickly make something. And again, it's more about being pretty than an efficient level. And I think it's cool to show off your work. I don't want to ever put anyone down for that. That's so important. Again, I just think we need to establish the difference between level art and level design. And the other issue that I see from these videos coming is, and you know, you guys will know this as well, you don't make something good or great on the first try. Mm-hmm. That Thanks. never happens. So iteration is so important and crucial to not just level design but all of game development so seeing that is is cool but i think there becomes misconceptions of one what is level design and then two oh well, i've done it that's it the game was great fantastic I, all the stuff i've done is done <laughs> you know so i think again awesome people are showing the work do it we just need to make sure that hopefully they tag it as my environment art that's cool Same yeah people get a better understanding yeah because i've seen so many like speed runs and level design i'm like is that really level design or is that just level art <laughs> yeah. and then no, you think it. like oh and then you get like kind of like you know insecure you're like oh my god my art's not that good like i can't make that level and then like i don't know how to do the player experience and get them to do move around like is it even going to be fun like I, I don't know there's just so much to it you're like wow and and how popular is that game where every part of the entire rendering scene is a one meter by one meter cube with uh, eight textures on it? Yeah. It does not matter what it looks like. Yeah. <laughs> Although, you know, Minecraft can be relatively beautiful, but uh, the gameplay and the design of it is the is the appealing factor. I mean, think about even like Dwarf Fortress. Another mm-hmm. it's a text based game and it's fantastically fun to play. Oh yeah, no, I agree. And also another one was like Thomas was alone. Such a heart, you know, a very heart gripping story. And it's just about cubes. 
So, yeah, it's it's such an important thing that people understand as well. Like, I completely agree with you, mate. It's all about how that game feels. That is the most important when it comes to making a, a game, truly. So now if somebody wanted to practice an hour every day, what small task should they do for at least like an hour? They got to squat down with a bucket of water on their head. <laughs> just no questions asked, just do it. I want to see a picture every day. No, like, please don't someone do that. That would be brilliant if someone did do that. Send videos, send it to my Twitter. My cousin's an author and he gives the exact same advice. The only way to write a novel is to write every day. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly, mate. No, it's it. it's it. Just make a level. Oh, like, it doesn't have to be a new level every day. Like I said, iteration is so crucial and it's such a skill to learn. And you know, you mentioned earlier about being nervous when you see someone else's video, like, can I do that? Imposter syndrome is just so prevalent in any creative industry. Mm-hmm. And so just keep going at it. That's the only way you get better is just by either taking one level and just iterating and iterating to a point where you think, right, actually, it's good. I'm done with this. Or just do a level, you know, a new star, a new level every few months and do that. So, yeah. I got a challenge question to go with that. How do you know when it's done enough? Whew, this is always the toughest question, isn't it? <laughs> so firstly, if you're working on a product, it's probably when producers tell you <laughs> it's enough. But, uh, <laughs> right? Yeah. You're out of time. It's done. Exactly. <laughs> no matter what, too bad. Uh, no, I think that's always a tough one. I think the moment you know when it's it's done is by the player's reaction. Like the one of the ways that I describe it is is giving giving it to someone. Try to be there to watch. Don't say anything. Just just watch them and see their reaction. If they start smiling or start like expressing emotions in it that hopefully isn't them trying to flip the table, then you you've you've done it. You've hit a point where they seem excited, engaged. And that's when I feel like you know when it's done by seeing a player's reaction. Nice. And where do you recommend people post it? Like I know we have the game dev TV forums, and but where else do you think they should post it to get feedback? Oh, that's such a uh, such a tough one. There, I think it should just try. F- Firstly, I would recommend doing it because getting feedback I think is always nerve wracking. No matter how many years you've been in it, no matter if you're new or or, or experienced. I think firstly, I would get people like if you're at a school or a course, get them to test it first. Get people you know who like actually can give you good feedback. I don't mean your friends, but I mean people you like trust and respect in terms of their knowledge and feedback. To to first take that in, then I would post it online, whether it be like you mentioned the game dev forums, or you can post it up on Twitter. There's groups on Facebook, these kind of places. And there's some phenomenal level designers on Twitter who are happy to take back, take a look and give feedback as well. So, you know, you can even reach out to certain people who will try to do that. Okay. I like that answer. Now, what has been the hardest part about learning level design? Oh, man, that's a very good question. Um, I think the fact is that no project is the same. So by the time that you feel like, for example, I, I worked on Tom Clancy's The Division, and going from from that, from finishing the the main game, I then worked on the DLC called Underground, 
And just when I thought I'd got the hang after the game had come out of like, okay, this is what makes a division level. These are the elements that I need to include to make a good level, like a good structure, a good starting point, a foundation. And then we switched to Underground, which was procedurally generated. And that changed everything in terms of like the design of the levels, because with it being procedurally generated, you didn't know whether necessary which entrance the player was going to come through, what was the objective in the room, because you had to design it for like multiple objectives, not just one. And then going from that to the current project I'm now on, there's so many different challenges in each. Now you'll learn eventually some some rules, uh, not necessarily rules, but some guidelines that you can apply to different games. But it's always going to be challenging. And I think that's the fun and the most difficult about it because you have to accept that there's always stuff to learn and that's exciting for it. But like, it's okay to experiment as well. And it's okay to take your time to get back to get to a strong level. During the concepting phase for the game, do you know if there was any kind of like internal documentations or discussions from, you know, kind of the early designs of, you know, in your case, you know, we're talking about the division that they gave you that, you know, was, was, you know, we think this is what, uh, you know, a, a division level is, is about, or was that something that was developed really more through, just like you're saying, kind of the experimentation and figuring out what worked. Yeah, so that did eventually come to us, but it wasn't at the beginning. It, it came later, and that was just due to, like you said, it's about experimenting. I think the the, the craziest thing about games is every everything you can talk about theory sounds cool, right? And it sounds like, oh, yeah, that makes sense, as we're discussing here. But when you apply it to the actual game, it might not work at all. So it has to come through uh, experimentation. I heard a great, I read a great uh, quote from that book, uh, Creative Inc., about Pixar, and they mm-hmm. talked about you know, making their films isn't a marathon or a sprint; it's an archaeological dig. You know that there's some T. Rex bones somewhere in this ground, but not every patch of dirt is going to hold a bone. So it's that kind of thing with you know when you you're making these games is we know roughly what we're going to try for but it may not prove you know fruitful but we keep trying until we eventually find you know the core for it. Now for someone studying level design what should they do to prepare themselves for a level designer interview? As a oh each kind of each interview is going to be different right mm-hmm. uh I think there isn't, you know, an answer that that fits that fits all. But I think making sure that you have questions to ask them is great because it's a it's a conversation. It's not just them asking you questions. Like, don't be afraid to to chat because part of the interview process is about getting to know one another. It's about making sure that you're a good fit for the team as well. Mm-hmm. And I think the other exciting part for this that you should do is this is the time where you get to show off your thought process whether that be through documentation that you've done for your level design or having videos of level design that they may not have seen you being able to break down more in detail and more in depth of okay this is why i have the player turn left rather than right because i found that when they turn right they miss their objective versus turning you know this sort of thing you get a chance to to break that down. So really, you know, bring that up, and also like 
write write down what is your favorite levels that you've played like being able to not only deconstruct your work but work of like the ones that inspired you is is always great i always think that's nice to nice to hear Mm -hmm. i agree and actually i just realized do you have a book coming out soon or working on one yes yeah mate i do actually um so I'm hoping the book, I mean, <laughs> due to the incident that the world's in right now, I don't know if that's going to cause us some delays. But, yeah, I'm currently working on a book, the title's still work in progress, but it's all about how to set up ranged combat encounters through your level design. I've got about 25, if not more, tips, you know, from my experience working on The Division and all my other games about what makes good combat-orientated levels. So in there, you'll get some great tips as well as like drawn demonstrations from what I mean as well. So that way you can apply it, whether you're starting or experienced and look and see, you know, what what you can use in these for your combat encounters. Wow. It looks really cool. Mm-hmm. I'm interested. I want to check that out when it comes out. Cheers, no. man. I mean, sorry, you got me. No, go ahead. I was say, it's, I think it's the first time I've actually talked about it openly on a podcast, even on mine. So yeah, it's exciting to talk about it. We've yeah. just got the, the, so we've got we've got the art finally looked down. We've got the graphic design of the book finished. I've written over half of it already right now. So by the end of this week, the other half, like first draft, will be written up. So you know, we're on ta- we're on track right now, and it's exciting. And I think the other thing that I like about this is if anyone's ever got because a book I do recommend. Well, two books I recommend is 101 Things I Learned in Architecture School and The Universal Design of, of Everything, the, a pocket edition. And this is the thing that I like about my book is I'm making it a similar size as these two, so you can always keep it on your desk. It's a small book you can put in your backpack. No matter where you are, you can always have this to quickly flick through and look at. So it's, it's exciting for me to, to have that. And, and also I find with a lot of game development books because there's so much you want to talk about so many aspects the fact that i'm just focusing on one so you can just when you pick up this book you know what it's about you know the core of this so it's going to help you and if you're you know excited or focused on making great combat spaces then you know this i believe will be the book for you well you hear that level designers out there (laughs) you guys (laughs) i think that was really good advice there about like thinking about your favorite levels i hadn't really even thought about that myself but you know just sitting here listening to you talking, I, I pondered it for a few minutes mm. and I actually have identified what my favorite level of all time was back oh, in the eighties. There was a gold box game called pool of radiance from strategic simulations incorporated. It was a advanced dungeons and dragons game and the slums of new flan was basically the first level of that game. And that is by far to this day, still my absolute favorite level of all time. Man, that's awesome. What what was it? (laughs) Yeah. It was the way that it was designed. (laughs) I mean, it was 100% about the design. It was, there were random encounters as you walked around there. They were challenging. There was all kinds of really interesting story tidbits and fixed encounters that you had as you were going through the area with your party. It was just, it was a great way to introduce you into like the, the story of the game and, you know, discovering what the entire objective of it was. It was, it was just extremely well designed. In fact, I've, I've kind of recreated it in, a, in several levels that I've done in other <laughs> games over the years, just because of how much I enjoyed it. It's, it 
was almost like the measuring stick that I used for what a good level is like. Man, that's so cool. Well, I think what's even cooler about that is like a lot of the games now, right? When you think about it, because you mentioned it's the first level, right, of that game. That yeah, yeah, basically. That like so many tutorial levels are like a lot of times that people are like oh not this you know it's mm-hmm. not till later. <laughs> so to hear like it being the like the first level is even more kind of like wow they must have done a phenomenal job on that. Yeah, for sure. Kind of like Naughty Dog with Last of Us, the first level. Oh, jeez, yeah, that was such a, yeah, they did such a, I mean, Naughty Dog, in my opinion, uh, is some of the best in terms of level design, uh, especially for, like, single-player experiences. They, yeah, by far (laughs) amazing. Can't wait for me. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Got that, I got Final Fantasy VII Remake, I'm excited for that. The demo was good. Oh, yeah, that comes out when? when April? April, Next, yeah. Is it still coming out? Is it able to... <laughs> no one said otherwise, so unless you broke the story here, mate. Like... <laughs> yeah, hopefully. We'll find out. That's it. We, we need it now with more, with the fact that we all have to spend time indoors. We need yeah. to... People buying games like left and right now. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Awesome. So um, what is your opinion on the opinion on a hidden value of video game menus and design secrets and all the uh, important impressions about like the first part of the game so what do you mean sorry about like the the menus do you mean like how how so do like i the main menu. i saw something you were talking about oh yeah right uh yeah that's uh yeah i don't know how they, this started from a, an article i wrote on gamma sutra because i played i don't know if you guys have played uh dragon age inquisition I think a little bit of it, or I saw a little bit of it. But uh, they they had like such an such an amazing opening that I, they weren't the other ones. Like the first uh, the first infamous did a similar thing as well. But at the time in Dragon Age Inquisition, you got these. If anyone who knows the laws, you got the Templar and the the mages like walking side by side. And at this point, you know that these two factions don't get along. So to see them walking already in such huge numbers was such a big kind of like question raiser of what's going on. Why are these two so close to one another? They framed it really well, like this building was where they were heading to. And as soon as you press start, the building blew up. Everyone who was walking got thrown back and it started the game from there. And it, to me, it was just something that you don't see very often, right? And main menus, you know, their purpose is to to help the player give a little bit of theme that's going on with the game, some nice music, some art, and then get the player into the game as quick as possible, right? And I'm saying this coming just from a level design and game player's perspective. There are way more experienced people who who make main menus for a living who have a better understanding than I do. But I'm just coming out in the perspective that when I saw that and I was just like, wow, it's just, it's just such a tradition that we've grown up with from the arcade days and we've never really fully pushed it. Some games have like, not just the ones I've mentioned, other ones have done amazing things in there, but it's like a, like death screens as well. 
it's very rare that a game does it. Like it was done back in arcades to make people pay for more money to, you know, for them to raise profits. But we, we kept it. It's a tradition that's kept on when sometimes you're like, well, why, why do I need to keep hitting restart when, when I die? You know, some games again have taken advantage of that, you know, from software have gone and used the whole dying to have an impact on their, their games, whether it be from Bloodborne, Sekiro, all of that. And I just think main menus is something that we as a, an industry should be taking more of an advantage of because the moment that a film starts, you know, it, it starts with that opening shot and it's trying to hook us right from the beginning. And for some reason, we as designers and developers see the main menu screen as separate from the game. It's like, oh, okay, well, this is the, the point before we get into it. But really, it is the first thing the player sees in the game. So we should be trying to do something that hooks the player right off the bat. You know, Rhymed is another great example where when you move through the levels and you get to a different level, the main menu screen will change to match now the environment of the new level so that the player knows where they left off at. So that way, again, it can remind them. So it's just little details like that there that, I think we should, as it likes as an industry, just be improving upon and really paying attention to, to help hook players and really help pull them into our worlds and really just take advantage of another interactive mode that we have in this this sort of fantastic medium. You know, that's that's one of my opinions on it. What do you think is the best main menu? Because I know God of War is a great one. God of War has a good hand. This. The thing is, is there's so many different main menus. When they do it, they do it right. And it's hard to, to specify. Like, God of War has a good one, even the simplicity. And it, it's a hard one to judge on, because if we're just going to go on... Like, Last of Us has a nice main menu in terms of, like, the setting, the tone of it, with, like, the, the nature overgrowing the architecture. Like, that's got a real message of what it's about, I believe. But... Uh, I'm probably going to have to say it's either going to be, for, for me, either Infamous or Dragon Age Inquisition because the fact of like how they made that a moment and a memorable moment. Like You can watch Dragon Age Inquisition reaction or walkthroughs and the moment, not just myself, but like other people playing see that explosion. They're like, whoa. <laughs> and you just instantly hooked. So uh, that, that's where I'm going with this one. There's, like I said, there's other great ones. Last Guardian does some really fantastic stuff with their loading screens. I just think I'm excited and I'm just trying to encourage and push uh, for us to, to take advantage of this these areas. I, I think it's really an interesting perspective that you provided there. Uh, I, one, of, uh, one of the things that I noted uh, from Sea of Thieves is that mm-hmm. a, lot of the, a lot of the UI, as it were, within the game is just objects that you interact with, right? You don't... You don't, uh, you know, open up a menu in your UI instead, or a map in your UI. You instead mm-hmm. go to the table and look at the map on it, right? Yeah. And this actually kind of inspired one of the ideas that we had for the project I'm working on on the side, um, which was basically that our main menu would be a house that you log into when you start the game. And each of the things that you would want to do, like control your sound, you would go to the stereo and operate the stereo to control your sound awesome. control. 
of course, there are some, you know, complexities that come with that, right? Because yes. if you're not in your house, how do you adjust your volume, right? <laughs> so, I mean, there are some some things where you really just have to have a, you know, an actual UI control. But, uh, yeah, I mean, being innovative on on designing that main menu can, can take a lot of different, you know, a lot of different routes. You know, if you want to... I an older game, the Ultima games. If you remember those, like uh, Quest mm. of the Avatar, the Avatar trilogy, Ultima four, five, and six, the whole entire introduction to the game, you go and talk to a gypsy who asks you a bunch of interesting ethical questions, and that's how you decide decide the class that you're going to play in the game. Yeah, man, exactly, and that's that's it. Like I said, there's so many ways to do it, and yeah, I feel that for some reason we've stuck with just a flat menu with some nice music as, as a whole. So, I think your insight about, uh, about, you know, the, the, the legacy of, you know, coin operated games for your, you know, your restart screen and, and a lot of things like that are absolutely true. Why do RPGs always have a character rolling screen? Well, that's mm-hmm. because when we played pen and paper RPGs, that's the first thing you do when you start a new campaign is you all sit yeah. down and write your character sheets, right? But yeah, why not make that more interactive? Yeah, mate. Exactly. And yeah, I mean, there's so many creative people in this industry as well. And I just think uh, there's so much, you know, like we, we mentioned, I mentioned earlier about level design could change with uh VR, I mentioned about procedural level design, all that stuff can change, which is exciting because it's new ways to think about it. But I think the more exciting things is the fact that I don't think we've truly even mastered or pushed the boundaries that we already have. Like you, you, you mentioned there with character creation or main menus, loading screens. I don't think we've even like touched the surface. We've just kind of been like, well, that's how it was. That's where we took the inspiration from. Let's and it's easy forward. to do it again, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> Something to be yeah. said about that too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's it. And yeah, that's why I, you know, I mentioned that I'm coming at this from a different perspective than a proper UI UX designer because I'm sure they, for everything I say, they can come up with some you know good ideas and retorts and all of that. But like I said, I think that there's just. I mean, did you guys play um, uh, Last Guardian? No, that's the one with the giant. Yes, Titan, the right? yeah. thing, yeah. yeah. But what they did was such a phenomenal way in terms of like even a tutorial slash loading screen is so when the game's loading, you see all these weird little symbols pop up on a black screen and it just tell it prompts you to clear the screen you just by tapping any buttons randomly. And that's it. And then as you progress through the game, when these enemies capture you, you see those little symbols pop up on screen. So intuitively, you just start pressing buttons. There is no tutorial for it. There is only that mention in the UI, and they keep doing that over and over. So it becomes second nature. And not only that, like the whole tapping random buttons is like kind of if someone is trying to tackle you or, or chase you, you're kind of just flailing your arms about and trying to stop someone. So again, just something like that, which you know, we, we can all take advantage of, and it may not be applicable to every game. And like we said, we don't just mean, okay, well, now every loading screen should be doing that. It's more like, what can we use with every second that we have the player hooked for to teach, to keep the player engaged, and, you know, expand the universe of, of the game? Yeah, that, that's how I'm thinking about it. Like I said, that 
there's probably other reasons why things can't be done that but i also think we're not always thinking about that because games as a whole can be so big and even i mean that like in the small games like your indie projects there's so much to think about when you're making them there's so much trying to go into iteration to try to get them right so i can see why people like we said it's, it's easier just to keep the tradition alive and go forward but yeah yeah that's just just my thoughts on it whether i'm right or wrong is a difference though yeah, Tom Mattel, right? Yeah. Now, um, now you might not know right away, but would you have a game that is a perfect example of like good level design and a game that's a bad example of level design? Hmm. That's uh, well, be careful who you throw under the bus with that question. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say I was never gonna answer the bad part, no, <laughs> not ever. So no. Uh, We'll edit out that joke there because I don't want anyone <laughs> to think we're mocking anyone. Uh, in, t- in terms of uh, good level design, man, it's so tough because like last year and 2018 as well had some fantastic level design for different style of projects. I think Respawn changed and upped the ante in terms of level design in a battle royale. I think they made some of the best maps for that genre. And, you know, that's, they've taken what they learned from Titanfall in some areas with the, the mobility and applied it to that. I think God of War, the, the one that came out in 2018, is a masterclass in level design. Like to all the designers in Santa Monica as well, just fantastic job. Massive, massive respect. The amount of times I spent pausing the game taking screenshots or something mm-hmm. <laughs> it was starting it's to annoy beautiful. my family like they were like stop doing that but it's it's got some phenomenal level design uh we mentioned naughty dog already they do great design for for, for linear games i think they're some of the best at it um so yeah they're they're kind of the big shout outs for me uh for it so yeah i recommend that but there's so many different types of games it's hard to you know uh, pick pick just one but they're, they're ones I recommend checking out for, for level design and then um, any non-familiar games that are bad <laughs> uh, I mean they're not bad but like a not like you know you can learn from it by playing it yeah there you go examples of, of, <laughs> of levels that you could improve and yeah. learn um, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm still not going to even touch that question <laughs> just to be safe. I don't want to go Nah, you're good. Like, what would you say about my game? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I just, yeah, no, like I said, there's a. I think the thing is, is like, you know, like games are very challenging to make. And so, yeah, there's, there's always going to be hiccups and, and bumps along the road. So, you know, also I find that. The developer, trust me, will know about all of the mistakes before yeah. and more of the fans. I was going to say, maybe that's the better question, because I definitely have <laughs> examples of this in levels that I've created where I found a flaw in the level after the fact. Were there any kind of like those kinds of gotchas and lessons learned, you know, as you were learning how to design levels that, you know, ended up being like particularly impactful to your perspective on how to create and design levels? Yeah, I mean, this this level got cut, so it never got released. But I, I, I can tell you on, like, why was the... We, we iterated it to a point um, 
to a point where the, this level was going to be accepted and everything was looking good. And then it was the story of this level had changed. And I had like mm. a, a day to change the level, <laughs> which is just very un, un, unrealistic. So, but yeah. had to do it. That's fine. But the thing that I realized where I went wrong uh, from this that has, has changed me is in terms of my design approach as a whole was because of that time period, I panicked and I panicked really badly. And I just quickly made something because I was kind of one, like stuff gets cut and changed, fine. But like the level that I made, I thought was was good. Like higher ups were happy with it. And I was like, awesome, okay job's good on this level but because the level had to change and it wasn't to do anything with on my side it was story has changed so we need to adapt it right cool that's fine but like i said changing something that i already felt was very good i knew was already going to be hard so i said the fact i didn't have time i was kind of resistant to change and then on top of that i didn't plan correctly because i only had a day i skipped out what i should have done which was more reference gathering, more 2D maps or like planning of the, the block out to make contextual sense of what everything was. But because I didn't do that, by the time I finished, honestly, it was just such a bad level. Like uh, people, I, you know, I, say, I can't tell on why the, the, the thing was cut, but thing, you know, certain rooms were next to one another, which didn't make sense and wouldn't be like that in real life. Like I get that we don't need to make everything in terms of reality, but it still needs to be believable. Right. And none of that was there. It was just, it was big for being the set for the sake of being big rather than me using that space correctly. Mm. The challenge wasn't there. Like I wasn't thinking even in terms of, well, what is the challenge here? I'm just building a space and then trying to adopt a challenge to the space, mm. which shouldn't be the case. So the, the main things that I took away from that was make sure my, my planning process, and make sure I, no matter what the time frame, no matter what the issue, that I take time to research, gather my reference and understandings. Do like and some people don't, but I do like to do a rough paper sketch because it's easy for me then, especially on gridded paper, because I can you know put like a grid paper as one meter. Then you know like we we mentioned those uh, LD kits for Unity and Unreal, they'll have squares on them to make it like a meter. So I can translate, you know, this now the space is X, Y, X meters, Y meters, and translate that instantly into the editor. That'll probably change because, you know, it's different looking now on paper than in your game. But it helps me, again, get a solid base of what I'm after. I know what roughly the challenge is now because I'm planning it on paper. I can get someone to look over that before I even block out so that we can pick out some of the already flaws that are going to be there. And that was like the biggest change, making me understand and respect and have to make sure that I take the time to plan. Don't just rush, really plan, contextualize what is this as well and make sure the challenge fits that space as well. Don't make the challenge fit the space, make the space fit the challenge. I, I think when you were mentioning the uh, the little pocket book about architecture design, yeah, that yeah. might actually be relevant there because that's one of my bigger challenges when I'm trying to conceptualize a space. I can't just build something that doesn't have a purpose. That just no. doesn't feel right to me, right? No. <laughs> like if I'm building an engine room, it's got to be shaped 
so that an engine could be in it, you know? <laughs> yes. Yeah, man. Exactly. And and that's the other thing. Like when you're building, for example, like a restaurant, you need to make sure there is a kitchen, bathroom, right. table, <laughs> right. all of that. It's got to yeah. feel, yeah, it's got to make sense. Like you said, yeah, that's yeah. really insightful. Yeah. No, like that's the, that's one of the biggest things I think when, uh, you know, like I look at young designers work and I'm like, okay, well, what is this space? Or what's it for? Like, and they'll be like, oh, it's so I can, the player can see the view of the objective. And I say, no, 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 no. <laughs> what is this space for? You know, I had a, I had a great uh, lead called Daniel Molnar. He, he's now a lead over in Ubisoft Berlin, lead level designer. And uh, for those who want to read more, like I did an article on this on Gamma Sutra called Where's the Toilet? But it, it breaks down because I was doing, we mentioned uh, the Division Underground. I was doing uh, sewers like sections for this for this level, and my gosh, he he was so strict on me, but it paid off, and I understand why. But like, <laughs> I was about to start blocking out, and he pulls me up and goes, "Max, do you know how a sewers works?" I go, "No." And he goes, well, <laughs> he, he goes to me, "I said I'm not letting you touch that editor, and I check your monitor. You're not touching that editor until you tell me how this how a sewer system works." So I spent like nearly a whole day, you know, looking it up and he came to me at the end of the day, he goes, okay, how do sewers work? <laughs> and I could draw you a diagram of how it all worked, which, you know, really was not the funnest thing to Google while it worked. <laughs> <laughs> but it ended up being one of my, you know, I built this level, which then our level design director, Manny Diaz, eventually came over and he said, you know, my level was his favorite level out of that expansion. And all of that came from my lead Dan's, you know, feedback to be like, you must understand what you're building. So, yeah, that's, you know, one of my biggest. And that's the question which is always asked, you know, where is the toilet, as I like to ask people. So make sure you, you know that. So this actually also you know, reminds me of another interesting thing. So uh, Misha the Sled Dog of uh, Unreal, an Unreal tournament fame. Yeah. Uh, it's also the direct creative director at Cry, uh, whatever the company is that makes the Crytek engine, Cry something or other. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, he actually got into level design because he was an architect in Florida beforehand. Oh, no way. Yeah. Wow, man. It is, I, that's what I'm saying. I, we mentioned there about architectures. The, the parallels between them cross so much. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's it's all about, like, I mean, a space needs... Humans catch so many details mm -hmm. about things. If you see something that just doesn't resonate with reality, it's just so discordant. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, the, the one bit of tips that I give, like, uh, to young designers when I'm doing, like, a talk or something... Uh, is like, for example, I did a little course over in Switzerland and you know, I was in this meeting room and I said to him before, I said, all right, before my talking begins, I gave everyone some graph paper and some pencil. And I said, just draw out this room, like look at it. Like seriously, it's not just a box. Look at every indent, nook, cranny, all of that. And you'll notice details there. Like even, you know, which, wherever you are when you're listening to this podcast, look around the room you're in. Because, you know, I promise you it's not a solid square. There's going to be walls extruding out and that that you won't have noticed until now. Nothing is ever as simple as just a box. No, I agree. It's, it's really, 
it's really all about like just learning a lot about the world around you and then mm-hmm. applying that and then building it up the way you, you need it designed. But you're like, oh, well, my bed's going to be over there, but I'm not going to have like the lamp right there. Like I'm not going to have the TV over here. You gotta, it's got to be realistic, like you guys were saying. And I agree. And actually, so while people are learning level design, what else should they be learning? Like, should they be like studying architecture? They should be watching videos on like the the way people like build houses and stuff like that. Like, how can they make sure they're prepared for situations like that? For instance, like when you had the sewage thing. Like, yeah, uh, I think it's a very good, very good question. I think what I recommend for, for those is that, like I said, that book, One Hundred One Things I Learned About Architecture, because. What you'll find is you know, I've been fortunate enough to know and work with with architects is that not everything is applicable. You, you know, like it's not always going to be that case. But you having a basic understanding, certain knowledge of it will help you. So just have a look. There's a, a website. Let me just pull it up so I make sure I say it correctly. Making sure I've got it. Yep. It's called Arch Daily which is basically like an architectural website where they show cool different buildings. But not only that, they show the floor plans of the buildings as well, which is another good thing because you can use that as a reference when you're building your levels. Like we spoke about a house there or maybe sewage system, maybe a museum. All of them are here. And like, no, there's no better way in terms of if you're just starting out, and I still do this and I know friends who do it as well, if you're starting out and are struggling with a blank page, when you're grabbing your references, get floor plans and layouts because nine <laughs> times out of ten, you can literally just copy them and then change things to match what your level's about. But it's a great starting point. So yeah, that's these are great things to help. I wanted to uh, I wanted to make a fancy old style Victorian house, and I did a search on the internet just looking for blueprints for yeah. large old style houses and actually built kind of blocked out more than anything else ended up realizing that there was nothing fun about that in the end right because i mean i just recreated Mm -hmm. a house and a house is designed for people to live in not for playing a game in but it was a fun (laughs) experience experience anyway oh yeah man no that's it and i said it's just a great starting point for us you know like we can take that learn from it and then adapt it you know and yeah such a such a great way is there any special like tricks habits ways of working that help you be a better level designer Uh, i don't know man like uh you know there's that great phrase of standing on shoulders of giants you know a Mm -hmm. lot of a lot of my methods or my madness of my methods has is come from working and learning from other people you know, there's, I know different designers work differently to me. Uh, I do recommend do doing like a floor plan, a sketch or a layout on a piece of paper. I strongly recommend that just because I think that it's important, like I said, for you to just see how things look first, just because I think that's really, really is a great, a great starting point com- compared to, you know, like I said, when I was just blocking stuff out without actually doing, doing any drawings or reference gathering I end up making some of my worst work it's just a good starting point uh yeah there isn't anything you know like i don't feel like i do anything special for for it and you know there, there goes the fairy dust but like that's just <laughs> just uh yeah just 
you, you just learn how to get better at it with each iteration, with each try. And I said, I've been very fortunate to work with great, uh, amazing people, you know, brothers and sisters in arms who have taught me a lot. That's amazing, dude. And actually, we're about to end it off. Just one last question, or in fact, it's more you're asking them to do something. Okay, a challenge for the game about TV students. You know, all the courses have a challenge at the end to keep mm -hmm. them engaged. So it could be anything you want it to be, level design focus, whatever you feel. What have you come up with? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, okay. Uh, I think what I'd like to ask then of, uh, of someone is, because we just did this, uh, as a challenge on on, on my uh, on my my Patreon for the, the the tier members, is that we I set them a level to create a a marketplace an outdoor marketplace stall where the player has to sneak from point A to point B. So I'd like you to set up a small like I said outdoor market where you have enemy patrols. The player can't get spotted if they spotted it's game over. And for you to create like engaging patrols that the player has to time and sneak a past. Is there a way for distract enemies? Create like a small level like that. I'd love for, for people to try and do. Okay. Awesome. I'll have them uh, posted and I'll send it to you some of the uh, responses. Awesome, man. But yeah, and it's, uh, it's been a pleasure having you on the podcast. Was, we talked a lot about level design. It was great. And I have so many gems for people to take. And, uh, we would like to hand the mic to you to do any shout-outs, any, any tips or tricks that you have left in your sleeve, and uh, thanks for coming on. Cheers, man. Uh, yeah, for everyone who wants to know more kind of about like level design and more about me, then you can check out my podcast, which you can be found on YouTube, iTunes, Google Play, all those good stores, Spotify, which is, as we mentioned, called the Level Design Lobby. If you want to get more bite-sized level design tips, and you can follow me on Twitter, which is at Max Pairs. And if you want to get more kind of feedback as well as maybe you want to do more level design for your portfolio, then head over to patreon.com forward slash level design lobby, where you get to become a member of my community. And then we'll chat with more amazing level designers to get feedback and to get challenges to work on your level design. Well, that's it. Thanks for listening. You can find all GameDev.TV courses at courses.gamedev.tv slash courses or in the show notes with a 10% discount. Get started with your game development journey today.